that's what I try to advocate to folks is just educate yourself in the space. And I think you'll build your own case as to why it may be a wise thing to do. And the timing is up to the individual. First, a quick word from our best ever partner, PropStream. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties in seconds, nationwide or specific to any zip code. You can skip trace owner information, find cash buyers specific to an area, and find other investors to potentially partner with or fund your deals. PropStream provides you the comprehensive data and market insight you need to be at the top of your real estate game. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail. Even if you're not in real estate, PropStream can help you locate high net worth individuals to invest in your non-real estate business, or if you are in real estate, then you can find them to invest in your real estate business. You can use this tool to find people who have millions of dollars in equity in their homes, and you can reach out to them via email, telephone, or snail mail. This is the perfect real estate investing tool for wholesalers and real estate agents, real estate investors, and entrepreneurs. I love how easy the PropStream website is to use. With a few clicks, you can review comps in the area or estimate rehab costs prior to purchasing a property. Act now to take advantage of the plethora of properties that have and will continue to hit the market during this time. And best ever listeners, do you know we got something special for you? You're going to receive a free seven-day all-access trial to experience all the features this powerful tool has, and you'll experience it firsthand. Just go to your 7 com. That's Y-O-U-R, the number seven, dayfreetrial.com. Get started with this. Get your seven-day free trial and start growing your business even more so than you have been. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Best ever listeners, today's guest is being interviewed by Theo Hicks. You know Theo, he's with us every Friday on Follow Along Friday you're going to get a lot of value from this conversation. So with that being said, let's get going. Hello, Best of Listeners, and welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Theo Hicks, and today I'm speaking with Travis Watts. Travis, how are you doing today? Hey, Theo. Happy to be here. Doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. So me and Travis are going to start doing weekly podcast episodes. So today we're going to talk about a blog post that he wrote. We're not necessarily sure exactly what we're going to talk about every single week will be blog posts. It might be similar to what me and Joe used to do for Fall on Friday. But overall, no matter what we talk about, it's going to add value to you and your real estate business. So a little bit about Travis. I'll read his bio today. Maybe I'll read it every single time. I'm not necessarily sure yet, but Travis is a full-time passive investor. He has been investing in real estate since 2009 in multifamily, single-family, and vacation rentals. He's also the Director of Investor Relations at Ashcroft Capital, and he dedicates his time to educating others who are looking to be more hands-off in real estate, i.e. be be passive investors. So Trevor writes a lot of great blog posts for the blog. So if you just go to the blog and you, I'm sure if you just type in Travis Watts, you'll see his blog post. And the one we're going to talk about today is his post about when is the best time to get into multifamily. And like the answer to most questions in real estate it depends. 
So in this blog post, Travis, whenever a, a few anecdotes of his where he got started in a new investing niche during a time when the market was not doing very well, right? And so the excuse is, oh, well, the market's not doing well. Maybe I should wait. And then on the other hand, when the market's doing really well, we've also got an excuse that says, oh, well, maybe it's too late. Maybe I need to wait for the market to stop doing as well so I can get in at the right time. And so clearly, no matter what position you're in, you can always have a reason why you shouldn't invest. And you can always have a reason why you should invest, no matter what state the market is in. So that's essentially what the blog post is about. So I wanted to bring Travis on to kind of dive deeper into this because the two examples he gave was one in 2009, when obviously the entire economy collapsed and he bought his first piece of real estate in 2009. So right at the end of the crash, when it just started to tick back up. So perfect timing there. And then he transitioned from single families to multifamilies in 2015, when, as he mentioned in his blog post, there was a lot of political uncertainties that people thought would result in the economy collapsing again, there being a massive meltdown. And then now, flash forward four years later, we've got the coronavirus. So I wanted to ask him, because he said in his blog post that a common question he gets from investors is, is this the right time to invest in multifamily apartments? And I'm sure right now that question comes with the baggage of, well, what about the coronavirus? So when do you get this question, Travis? What do you say? Yes, you hit the nail on the head. There's the whole post. So enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) But no, it's so true. For those that don't know, so I spend my weeks in these 15-minute phone calls, these Q&A phone calls. Folks reach out to me through LinkedIn, Bigger Pockets, Best Ever, Facebook, Instagram, whatever. And I'm happy just to network with folks. But one of the most common things I get is whatever the current event is in the news, it is kind of a distraction from them taking action a lot of times for those getting started, I should say. But even those experienced, it is such a common question phrased in different ways. Should I invest now? Is 2020 the right year? Are we at the top of the market? Back in March, is this the bottom when we had the stock market collapse? There's all kinds of this stuff. So I guess to summarize all that, there's a lot of noise out there. Of course, the news and the media is always there to kind of distract people, right? To instill fear and uncertainty. And as a result of that, it makes you want to stand still, myself included. There's plenty of times where, again, back in March, when the market just collapsed 30%, I think, holy crap, is it going to go down 60%? Is this the big collapse we've all been waiting for? So it kind of puts you in that freeze, but you have to learn to kind of ignore the noise and to sink into the facts and to decide for yourself. This is highly individualized investing in general. Nobody can make a decision for you. It just really comes down to you, your risk tolerance, your comfort, your knowledge, your network. There's a lot of factors there. But yeah, that's kind of the big picture summary of what the post is all about, is finding out for yourself, is it the right time for you? Do you have a lot of people that you talk to more hesitant than usual because of what we're going through right now? And then you said to focus on the facts. So if someone talks to you and says, hey, I'm afraid to invest right now, would you say what you just told me or would you get more specific with them to figure out, identify specifically what it is that is holding them back? And the reason why I'm asking just to, to zoom back a little bit, because again, this is a podcast where you want to add value. If you're out there and you want to raise money from people, right? These are the kind of questions you're going to get. This is the kind of resistance and obstacles you're going to have to overcome. So that's why we're bringing Travis on here so he can kind of let us know, hey, I am involved in 
speaking with these past investors, I know what they want. I know what they, they don't want. I know what's holding them back. So you can use the information we talk about here to help you overcome those obstacles. But anyways, I'll let you take it from, from there. Yeah. This is why I love the Q&A format. When I do these calls, I never know who's calling for what type of conversation. But basically, to your point, it's a lot of Q&A to the person I'm speaking with, right? So you're trying to uncover what is that belief system or, or how much education do they have in this particular niche or space. And I try to be as much as I can be a resource for people. So a lot of times what I'm doing, especially for those just getting started, is referring them to education sources. So you wrote an amazing book with Joe, the best ever apartment syndication book, things like that. So here's a 400 page book, very dense, packed with knowledge. And here's what happens. Let me explain this from a higher level. So in order to make a decision, right, you need to feel a certain level of certainty. So how do you get a certain level of certainty? So if you reverse engineer that, it's usually through education. It's through seeing it done. It's through networking with people who are doing it, people ahead of yourself, mentors, coaches. I'm huge on this stuff. And then also self-educating through books. So I think Robert Kiyosaki coined this, when your education goes up, your risk comes down. And I think the more you understand about a niche or a sector or an asset class or just real estate as a whole, the more you kind of build the case for why that may be a good asset class to be in, in general. So I went crazy in 2015 with self-education and reading books and finding mentors and all this kind of stuff. And really the takeaway from that was that it built a case for me to feel very certain on what my next step was going to be. Because quite frankly, when I first heard the word syndication, I thought, A, too good to be true. B, probably some kind of scam. Like these kinds of things, right? Because I didn't have any certainty around it. How could I? I didn't know anyone that's invested like that before. Never even heard of this before. So as far as I knew, it was some kind of Ponzi scheme or something. But the more I surrounded myself with people doing this, the more I read books on this, the more I joined real estate meetup groups, and we discussed this and I watched webinars and YouTubes and I went nuts. I started figuring out that, hey, this does actually make a lot of sense. This is a very real thing. And as I stepped in to take the first step in my first deal, I had to sit back about six months and I had to see it for myself. I had to actually see distributions coming in and reporting and, and make sure this was the real deal. And then I just kind of fell in love with the concept. I continue my education in the space, but not to the extent I did in 2015. And that's what led me to a level of certainty and belief that this was the right thing for me at the time. But sometimes bridging that gap is a process for many people who maybe don't want to read or, or don't like conferences or attending groups. That learning curve could possibly take a lot longer. So that's what I try to advocate to folks is just educate yourself in the space. And I think you'll build your own case as to why it may be a wise thing to do. And the timing is up to the individual. Yeah. And one thing that we talk about a lot on the blog, and we talked about this in the, in the book you mentioned, and on the podcast is kind of the two things that you need in order to be ready to move into multifamily syndication, for example. And you focused a lot on the education piece that you mentioned from your perspective and in passive investing. You didn't just say, okay, I'm ready. And then you invested in 20 deals at once. You mentioned how you did that first deal and then you waited in order to gain that experience and get that feedback to tell yourself, okay, well, I, I learned all these things. I learned the theory. 
Now let's see in practice, does the practice line up with the theory? Is this not a Ponzi scheme? Is this the real thing? So I think obviously when you're passively investing, the experiences that you gain is a little bit different than when you're actively doing it, right? But I thought it was interesting that you still mentioned that you wanted to kind of hit on both of those. First, the education piece, and the second on the experience piece. Now, something else to mention in this blog post, is, I guess this is kind of transitioning a little bit into active investing, but you did the single family first, and then you went into multifamily. So do you think that you needed to start off in that single family realm in order to get into multifamily? Or do you think that you would have been able to educate yourself on multifamily, skip that step of single family homes and go straight into multifamily? Because again, the topic of this is the best time to get into multifamily. So do I need to have some sort of real estate experience first? Or can I just go from nothing to reading books about it, podcasts, mentors for a while, and then jump straight into multifamily? Or should I start somewhere first? That's a great question. Another common question too. You got people all over the place. So I guess if you had asked me in 2009, when I got started in single family, hey, what about apartment investing? What about being a partial owner of an apartment complex? I I probably would have had some kind of belief of, well, I'm not a multimillionaire. I'm not a billionaire. I don't have 30 years experience in real estate. How could I possibly do that? I had all these limiting beliefs like that. Come to find out as I invest now full-time in private placements and syndications, most of the investors in my experience are like doctors and dentists and lawyers and attorneys, and they didn't come from a single family background. There's certainly a sector of us that did. And I think that helped, again, kind of build the case for why I would want to be in multifamily. There was a lot of pros and cons. I made some great moves in single family, did some great things, but I also burned myself out. I also realized I hate managing tenants. I also realized I'm not very handy. I also realized, you know, there's so many things I didn't like about it. So I wanted to, by the way, for those listening that may not know, I was working an oil field job, which was hundred hour work weeks, 14 hour days away from home. So I'm doing that on top of scaling or trying to scale a single family portfolio. And every property that I acquire, it's like the light at the end of the tunnel is closing in. (laughs) You know, that's how I saw it mentally. And I thought, oh my God, this is not sustainable, number one. And I'm going to burn myself out. And that's exactly what happened. So that was my 2015, like 2014, 2015 was like my burnout in single family. But it, it taught me some critical lessons and it, It was like a stepping stone. I'll put it that way. I feel like personally, I needed that education and those pros and cons to realize that, okay, really what I should be is a passive investor because I love real estate and I'm passionate about cash flow and the tax advantages and just like the concept is there and it's such a great asset class to me. But I hate being in the business of real estate personally. This is where it's so personal, right? That's not the right answer for a lot of people, but for me it was. So this gave me an outlet to be hands-off, to be passive, to still get the advantages of real estate, but not have to be in the business of it. And it provided me scalability. Whether I had one syndication investment or a hundred, it's pretty hands-off all in all. So again, that was personal. That was self-reflection. I kind of went through those motions, but a lot of folks are career focused. They're just busy professionals who say, look, I'm a dentist. I'm not going to pivot my career and start being a a fix and flipper. I'm not going to do that. But I would like to park some capital somewhere. And maybe the stock market isn't my favorite choice, or I'm already heavily allocated there. 
let me look for some alternatives. So to my surprise, that's a lot of people in this sector. So it sounds like most people either start off inactive and then say, well, this is a lot of work. I'd rather do something else and then transition into passive. And then the other one would be professionals like Dr. Dolores, as you mentioned, who just start and stay as a passive investor. Do you ever see someone who wants to be an active investor and starts off as a passive investor and then transitions into active? Or is that something that that's pretty rare? No, between 2015 and 2020, this whole sector has exploded with education and conferences and resources and, and books and all this stuff. I didn't have a lot of that in 2015 to go off of. And so now what I hear a lot is exactly to your point is like, Hey, one day I'd like to be a syndicator myself, but quite frankly, I, I don't know anything about this other than I went to a conference and heard about it. So I got some capital right now. I'd like to put that to work in a syndication. I'd like to see how it works. I'd like to ask my questions. I'd like to see it firsthand. And then as I'm educating and growing and learning, end up doing my own deal down the road. That's huge. I don't know percentage wise, but yeah, there's a lot of those conversations that I have as well. Yeah. One of the ways that we say that you can break into the active syndication route is to start off as, as a passive investor. Because again, the three things you need are education and experience. And it's kind of like catch 22 because in order to raise money, you need to have experience, but in order to get experience, you need to already raise money. So a good way to get into syndication is just to, to passively invest. Now, I got another question. So again, this is kind of for you personally, you start off a single family, you had your hundred hour week job. And I'm assuming from both of those things, you were able to become an accredited investor, right? Because to get into multifamily on the passive side, you need to be accredited. So I know the answer is going to be, it depends, it's very individual, but maybe walk us through if you talk to someone who really wants to get into multifamily, they really like the idea of passively investing, but they're not accredited. What would you say to someone like that? It's a very common question that I get all the time. So here's the thing. I had this illusion when I first got started that everything out there is only for accredited investors, right? Because you hear that thrown out there so much, accredited investor, accredited investor. So you get to thinking, well, not there yet. I guess I just can't do this. Well, false. <laughs> the majority of people in the syndication space, as you know, are operating under 506B. And a lot of those groups, not all, but a lot, are able to accept 35 sophisticated investors that may not be accredited in each of their offerings. Now, again, not every group will do that, but it's an option to them as legality if they choose to do so. So point being, a lot of groups you can invest with when you're non-accredited. Second, there's another regulation, you know, regulation A. So again, like unlimited amount of sophisticated. So there's all these different things in these crowdfunding platforms outside of the syndication space, you've got publicly traded REITs, real estate investment trusts in the stock market. So I always kind of use that example to paint the picture. If you're interested in passive income and hands-off investing, there's a lot of different outlets for you, including if you've got 10 bucks, you can buy a share of a REIT in the stock market that delivers a X amount of percentage per year. So you can literally get started in this journey with 10 bucks. So don't feel like, well, I don't have 100000 to invest. Oh, I'm not accredited yet. There's plenty of opportunities out there in the space. But let's touch on the other part of that question that you asked. So <laughs> I was kind of an extremist. So when I got started in 2009, I didn't have 
a whole lot of money. Quite frankly, I had been saving since I was 15 and working. I had some money set aside for college that my parents had saved, but I ended up getting a scholarship. So I didn't actually use that money. So I coupled the two and that was my down payment for my first property. Okay. Now from there, I started doing house hacking. So I actually had a roommate that was paying my mortgage. So I'm living free there. So now I'm starting to save more and more. Then I end up getting this oil field job that pays way more than what I was making at my other job, but I never changed my lifestyle (laughs) for many years. So it's kind of this fire movement mentality, financial independence, retire early in that I was making decent money. I was living off nothing like ramen noodles, like a college student still. And all of that savings in between, I was pushing it into real estate. So it was just next property, next property and fix and flips and vacation rentals and house hacking and save, save, save and work, work, work. And so, yeah, I built a nest egg to the point that I could participate in all of these types of offerings as an accredited investor. But that was extreme. And I did that in as short of a time frame as I could. And thank God there were things that were luck, like the market. No one knew, by the way, when you'd said 2009 great timing in hindsight. Yes. But at the time there was so much negativity around me. It was, what if this thing drops another 20%, this house could go even lower next year. I mean, there was all that fear because no one knew it was the bottom. No one ever knows when it's the bottom until we can look back 10 years later and go, Oh, well, clearly that was the bottom. So I just had to go to the facts, man. I just had to say, look, this house three years ago sold for 165,000 today. It's 95. And the government's giving out an $8,000 tax credit for first-time homebuyers. Facts. So I crunched the numbers. I ignored the noise. I thought, well, that makes sense. And if I get a roommate, that'll actually just pay my mortgage. So that just makes a lot of sense. So that's what gave me that certainty to get started, despite the news, the media, and my peers. And even my own family was telling me to rent. I had to ignore it. It was tough. But that's what you have to do sometimes. When you talk to people, and again, this can be like a specific number or it can give me like an average or a range, but when you talk to someone who's cold lead, I guess, and they say that I'm ready to get started in investing, what would be the typical amount of time from them getting from that point to actually investing in a deal? Good question. Well, you have to start building relationships. It's a relationship business. So you've got to find groups that align with your philosophy, your interests, the types of deals you want to be in. With the example of the 506B, usually there's not a set time frame to that regulation, but usually it tends to be like a 30-day or whatever, 60-day, because you've got to have the relationship first. They can't just submit a deal to you same day that they meet you. So usually that's 30, 60 days later. Oh, now we have a deal. Oh, I remember speaking with you a couple months ago. And then that deal isn't probably going to close for one, two, or three months after that. So, I mean, you're looking at multi-months before you're probably in a deal and then another month or two after that until distribution starts. So yeah, there could be a six month time frame. And what I always advocate people do is even if they feel ready, even if they feel certain and like, I'm ready to do a deal today, I got to hit the wire button. <laughs> Just keep continuing your education, keep networking, keep reaching out to other groups, keep learning in this process. Because you may find after say two, three, four months, you stumble across some self-storage And you decide, hey, I like self-storage a lot more. So you don't want to jump into the very first thing you see in here. And then six months later, learn a thing or two and go, ah, I'm at a five-year commitment now. I wish I hadn't have done that investment. And I made a couple of those mistakes with a couple operators that I first invested with without track record, without experience that were local to me. 
and it sucked. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but it was one of those realizations as I kept continuing my education that a year later, I'm thinking, wow, there's so many better operators out there. There's just better deals, but I'm stuck. These are illiquid investments. So you want to take enough time to not only feel certain and ready to find the right partnership for you. And then last question. So if, if someone's listening to this and they say, I'm ready, I want to get into multifamily, specifically right now in their, in their car, what's the first thing that they should do immediately right now in order to take action towards actually getting into that first deal? I would say know your criteria. I always kind of come back to that first. It always starts with you as we've been talking about on this show. So do you want to be in A-class, B-class, C-class, multifamily, self-storage, mobile home parks, first lien notes? There's so many things that you can invest in. So know what it is and know why that asset class. So I did a ton of research before I got started in 2015 on B and C-class value-add multifamily apartments. That was my niche. And then I wanted to find, for example, another piece of my criteria is monthly distributions when possible. It's not a deal breaker because that's not the industry norm. Most people do quarterly distributions. But to me, this was going to be my income. This was turning into my own salary that I had created. So I want to be paid monthly, not quarterly. It's just a personal thing. But to some other folks, they may not care. They may be investing with a self-directed IRA that they're not going to touch for 30 years. Who cares about quarterly versus monthly? But for me, it mattered. Then what I would do from there is say, I know my criteria. I know what I want. I would go networking and seeking those groups. And that's where I'd partnered up eventually, thank God, with Joe Fairless, because all the deals aligned with my criteria. I thought, holy crap, that checks every single box I'm looking for. And that's the key. You want to find those types of partnerships. Perfect, Travis. Well, thanks for coming on. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm sure Best of Listeners got a lot out of it. Just to quickly kind of summarize what we talked about. Again, the main topic was the best time to get started in multifamily. And the answer is, well, it depends. Uh, If you have that certainty, as you mentioned, which comes from a combination of education and experience. So we kind of talked about really there's all different types of paths. You could start actively in single family homes or fix and flipping and then transition into multifamily actively and then transition into passive investing. You can start with passive investing, you can start with multifamily, but really it kind of depends on what your goals are and and where you're at. You mentioned that it is possible for people to go from passive investing into active investing because that's a great way to gain experience without having to do large multifamily deals by yourself. If you're not accredited, that's okay. There are still opportunities for you out there to work your way up to the point where you are accredited. Something that I really liked as you said was when you are ready to invest, make sure you don't just stop what you're doing and then wait six months or a year until a deal comes, but to keep educating yourself because you might find that a different asset class or a different niche entirely is more conducive with whatever your your goals are. And then the first thing that you should do right now, if you are interested, is to define your criteria and then define why that is your criteria. So you can write that down. Obviously, that might take a little bit of time of educating yourself on what that criteria is. And this is Definitely an evolving process, as he, he mentioned, which is to continue to investigate these things until you actually invest. So I think we really hit on most of the, the things that people need to know to get into multifamily. Anything else you want to say before we conclude the episode, Travis? I guess just in conclusion, I don't know if I already said this or not, but the point is everybody 
has an opinion, but the only opinion that matters is yours when it comes to choosing your future, where you want to go, what you want to do. So try blocking out the noise, essentially. Go inside and just decide what's right for you. All right, Travis. Well, thanks again for joining us. Looking forward to our, our talk next week. Best of listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks, Theo. PropStream is an all-in-one platform that gives you the tools you need to reach more leads, book more meetings, and close more deals with less work. With PropStream, you can find vacant and off-market properties, locate potential investors, or gain invaluable market insight in seconds. PropStream also features state-of-the-art marketing tools that allow you to send out direct mail postcards and ringless voicemail, which will help you close more deals with less stress. Visit your7dayfreetrial.com to start your free trial and experience all the amazing features PropStream has to offer. That's your, the number seven, dayfreetrial.com. Are you looking to get started in multifamily investing or looking to grow your portfolio? Nathan Tabor has created an online course that is slammed with incredibly useful and practical information. Check it out at apartments.nathantabor.com.